Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. As I do from time to time, I'm taking this opportunity to acknowledge all of the positive feedback I've received in connection with this podcast. In just a couple of months, I will be celebrating the one-year anniversary of its launch. And it's been such an interesting and rewarding journey. So thank you for continuing to provide me with your comments. And if you would not mind rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any app you use to listen to it, that would be terrific. Yes, my favorite word, terrific. I know I use it a lot, but it's such a positive word and it has such an uplifting sound. Again, if anyone has any ideas for topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me through my website, www.separationinontario.com. I've decided I'm going to do a series of shows on family mediation, not a consecutive series, because I think there are people who are interested in other topics and I want to keep mixing things up. But I think family mediation is a very important and very timely subject, including based on the recent amendments to our family law legislation. There is a growing and, as far as I'm concerned, very welcome push to make more people aware of family mediation as an option for them. And because I'm very committed to it as a viable realistic way of resolving family disputes, I never pass up an opportunity to talk about it. If you have followed this podcast, you know that I have done previous episodes on family mediation, but I wanted to drill down a bit more on the specifics because a number of you have expressed to me an interest in learning more. Today, I'm going to get into more detail about how a typical mediation session might unfold, how it actually happens, because the unknown is scary to many people, and we want to eliminate, or at least keep to a minimum, as much unnecessary anxiety for you as possible. 
including as you're facing the possibility of mediation or perhaps an already scheduled mediation session. I can tell you I have encountered adventurers, travelers, inventors who thrive on the element of the unknown, the surprise, experiencing sights and sounds for the first time, being on the frontier. But when it comes to very personal experiences like separation and the journey through the steps of dealing with all of the issues which need to be tidied up when a relationship ends, even they are looking for some certainty, some idea of what might be ahead of them, what they might expect. For all of these reasons, the main being human's apprehension of the unknown. Today's show is about the actual mediation session, how it might unfold, not the content of the discussion or negotiations, because that, of course, is unique to each individual case, but how that dialogue and negotiations might take place from a practical perspective. I will be speaking about two different timelines, and I'm sure you can guess what those are, given what the world faces today. I will be making reference to the before times, in other words, the time before the pandemic struck, and hopefully a time to which we will return one day soon once the pandemic is under control. But I will also talk about how we have conducted mediations during the pandemic. And there are two reasons for this. Firstly, because we have no idea at this point how soon we will be able to return to the before times. So the practices we have developed during the pandemic might continue for some time. And also because I have some confidence that some of the practices related to family mediation, which we developed as a result of the pandemic, and these include mediations which are conducted virtually by Zoom, for example, or other similar platforms, that these are here to stay, not for all mediations, but I think at least for some mediations, and there are good reasons to maintain some of those practices, and I will expand on this point further in the show. Let's talk about the before times. Before the pandemic struck, most mediations were conducted in person, and that involved the mediator physically getting together in a common space with both parties and if they are represented with their counsel. So there would often be five people attending, each party and their own lawyer and the mediator as well, two, two, and one. Mediation is essentially a dialogue, a discussion which in many circumstances can involve more than two people. I don't know what the word is for dialogue involving five people, Trialogue is a discussion involving three, but let's agree for the moment that this is something we will call a multi-party dialogue. There can be more than five people at a family mediation session in the right circumstances. That discussion can take place in a single space where it's appropriate to do so. 
a large boardroom, for example, it is generally in the mediator's discretion as to whether the mediation will take place with everyone in the same room at the same time, or whether there are reasons specific to the particular case which call for the mediation to be conducted by what we call shuttle diplomacy. And this generally involves the mediator shuttling, moving back and forth between breakout rooms with each party and their lawyers sitting in a separate breakout room during the mediation session. Quite often, the mediation begins with everyone in a common space. And then we move into separate rooms and the mediator begins the actual discussions by moving back and forth between the rooms. So again, to clarify, each client and their lawyer have their own private space where they can discuss positions, strategies, proposals, and the mediator comes in and out of that room to speak to the client and lawyer, to conduct negotiations, to pass on settlement terms proposals. At some point during the day, the mediator may decide the appropriate time has come to reunite everyone for further dialogue in the common space, with everyone back around the boardroom table, for example. But I have conducted and participated in mediations where we never actually sit in the same space. In other words, the parties never see each other during the mediation session, whether it's a full day or half a day. So the dialogue is conveyed through the mediator at all times. I need to make an important point, and here it is. Each mediation, just like each case or dispute between two or more people, is really like no other. It's very unique. For this reason, every mediation is different. Each couple has its own dynamic when they are together and once they separate. Couple A may not agree on issue A, but couple B may have no problem with this issue. So mediation is really an organic process, but there are some general patterns and practices, and that is what I'm telling you about here so you have some idea of what you might expect. For example, to what extent breakout rooms and shuttle diplomacy is involved in a particular session has a lot to do with the level of conflict between the parties or even between the lawyers. Sometimes it's that very conflict which has stalled dialogue, discussion, negotiations of any kind. And the very idea that everyone would be in the same space, even though separated by the walls of the breakout rooms, is already progress. And that's even if the parties do not actually see each other during the mediation session. And the mediator has to do the back and forth between the breakout rooms. Every mediator has their own individually designed mediation space. That design often depends on how they conduct their mediations. And if you were to attend the offices or mediation spaces of 
10 different family mediators in the before times, you would have seen a broad range of arrangements. Again, unique to the mediator's approach and methodology. My mediation space, which is situated directly next to my law office, is a self-contained space and includes everything we might need on the spot for a full day mediation session, for example. It was designed by me personally and consists of a large open space with a big boardroom table and two separate breakout rooms, a kitchen and a washroom. This space and its design allows me to tailor each mediation to the specific needs of that case and the individual participants in the dialogue. With or without lawyers, I can speak to the parties together in the common space, all of us sitting around the table. I also have the option of speaking to each party and their lawyer, if they have one, in caucus, meaning separately in their own breakout room. And there are two reasons a caucus meeting might be convened. I may want to speak to a party on my own, or they may want to speak to me alone. I hope by now you have a decent idea of how a mediation unfolded in the before times. But how about now, during the pandemic? Zoom and similar virtual platforms have allowed us to continue with family mediations over the last year. And the general format I have described so far has continued minus the physical contact. During a Zoom mediation, we all meet, so to speak, in a virtual space on computers, tablets, even phones. In Zoom, there is the main session, which represents the common space, which is my mediation area and includes the boardroom table. We have discussions in the main session with everyone present, or at the very least, I'm able to speak to all of the participants at the same time. Before they go, you guessed it, their own breakout rooms, which I set up in advance and move them into. These breakout rooms, again, are private and include a party and their lawyer. I may also have a breakout room for just the lawyers and me, for direct discussions between us. And yes, just like in the before times, I continue to manage how the mediation session unfolds. I make some decisions, likely before the session starts, whether we will dialogue, negotiate all in the main session at the same time, or whether there will be some of that, but then people will move into their own individual breakout rooms. In some cases, yes, there is no opening meeting in the main session at all. But for me, that has been rare. I generally begin the mediation with some opening remarks for both the parties and their lawyers. Earlier on, I said I expected and hoped some of what we learned to do during the pandemic. And in this instance, I'm talking about virtual mediations will continue. I will be direct and tell you I prefer in-person mediations. Do I think virtual mediations are destined to fail? Not at all. 
many, many cases have settled during the pandemic using virtual mediation. But I do prefer direct contact because humans are involved. And from my perspective, nothing can be two people looking one another in the eye right there in person and having a dialogue. Sometimes that discussion may be difficult, and it often is. But having it in person is, in my view, more effective than having it through a screen. And here I'm talking about a discussion between the parties themselves, or even between one of the parties and me. The way in which we humans communicate is much, much broader than simply verbal communication. We give nonverbal cues, use body language, our eyes are expressive, our hands say a lot. Those cues are not accessible to me over the computer screen. So that is why I prefer in-person mediation. One great, great advantage of virtual mediation, though, is that we can connect with people who are not in our geographical location, far away, in fact. And that is one good reason why virtual family mediation should remain available for cases that need it. As a mediator, I could be working with a couple in Ottawa or Sudbury. And if we use a platform like Zoom, there would be no need for them to physically come to my office, even once the pandemic is under control and this type of physical contact is permitted. I hope what you heard from me today will help ease some of the uncertainty, perhaps anxiety you may be feeling about family mediation in general, or in advance of your first actual mediation session. If you have agreed to family mediation, if you are prepared to give it a shot at settling the dispute you're involved in, I support you wholeheartedly. You have taken an important step. There is no guarantee that mediation will resolve your issues, but chances are significant that it will and there is every reason to try it. Because fundamentally, it's about taking every option available, every chance there is to have a sane split. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app, will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.